damn night. Welcome back to this episode of All Damn Night, our Corona Cast special. We are on lockdown, but our yes. spirits are not dampened. We are back with a fury. Mr. Sean, how are you? We're back in the saddle again, Mr. Brandon. Yes, that is right. Uh, I'm Brandon Richardson here again with my uh, uh, excellent co-host, subject matter expert, Mr. Resonant expert, Sean. Yes. So, um, yeah, we are we are back. Things are crazy. Things out there are. I think uh, are we're wild. crazy too. We're going crazy as well. No, we're seeing people in a crazy world. Okay, fair enough. Absolutely. I, but we are different. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Okay. And you know what? I feel like now is is the time when I felt you you felt the call too for people were going. We're locked down. We need Sean and Brandon. Like all this other stuff out here is just not yeah. feeling the void that we have in our lives. It's funny you mention that because we did receive uh, quite a few emails from fans saying, come on, guys, get your act together. Yeah, come back. Yeah. So we've been <laughs> off for a while. Uh, life yeah. has been crazy. And we decided, you know what, let's wait for it to get really crazy. And yeah. then we'll start things back. <laughs> yeah. We want to set ourselves up for success. That's what I always say. So let's make it as hard as possible. <laughs> the American way. Yeah. And, you know, times are crazy now. And a lot of people, you know, we got stimulus checks going out. People are, are, are you know, we, money is tight along, around, around the world. There are There's things going on now that, um, you know, affect everything globally. And it's a, a time that people, you know, think, like, this might be the craziest thing that ever happened. It's not. Well, definitely not. It's but not. In my it's lifetime, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I think it's up there for both of us. Yeah. But even in our lifetimes, what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, something that was famous around the world. It's a cultural landmark. But do we really understand what it was? And do we really understand what happened? Because what, what, what kind of sparked this is with the, um, with the new, with the lockdown rules, there was a big, two weeks ago, there was a one world that was called um, YouTube Internet um, Music Festival. And oh, God, the, the this sounds festival, like a I know, right? Right? It was. The, I sent you a. I sent you a, a, a Rolling Stones video from it. <laughs> that was, was actually pretty cool. Pretty okay. good, right? uh, I think I made this joke like uh, <laughs> Keith Richards is sitting there, like they all have no idea how to use computers. <laughs> like, like Keith Richards is sitting there, like, "Hey, Mick, I can see you on the TV magic box. Like, do that chicken dance everyone loves." I think he like presented <laughs> the computer. He kept looking at it like he was just like this thing. Is gonna steal my soul. Like I don't like it. But he has whole, it facing away from him in the corner. He, he was not a fan of any of this technology stuff. But the whole the whole notion of this, like, it got to me thinking. You know, that's how they do festivals now. And festivals. Well, well you know what's just started. Sorry to interrupt you, man. But uh, can we touch on the subject that South by Southwest did not issue any refunds for their t uh, festival tickets? Yeah, I mean, like, as as uh, residents here in Austin, Texas, it, it, that would be kind of um, remiss for us to skip over that. It, first of all, that kind of was what, what led us to, to both kind of step back and think about how crazy this might all get was when they canceled South by Southwest. Right, right, right. If Man, not I've for South some... by Southwest, I could say this podcast wouldn't exist because that's really how we kind of started hanging out was working at the bars down South by Southwest. You know what? Yeah, we we'd go through that hell hell two weeks and uh basically spend you know the entire entire two weeks all together as a team you know yeah. and it was it was rough but yeah there's a lot of good things that came out of it i got to make fun of so many people 
That oh, was a man. blast. <laughs> that but really you know, like you're right. It didn't happen this year. That's that's when things got nuts, and they're not issuing refunds. But do you know what they're doing exactly? Is it like they're applying? They were like holding court for free shows, like in conferences online, like a uh, a virtual festival. And people were not happy, you know. Cause yeah, I mean, it could be <coughs> breaking new ground, but it's, it's a bad time to have to do that. And oh, yeah. You could see what they're trying to do. And, well, that kind of leads us into what we're going to talk about, because it's a festival um, and what they, a festival trying to break new ground and where the money went. Where did the money go? We'll find out. Oh. So ladies and gentlemen, what we are going to talk about tonight is Live Aid. Oh, okay. What right. do you know about uh, Ethiopia, sociopolitics, and history, Sean? Uh, pretty much everything. Ask me a question. Well, I mean, well, well who's, your, who's, your, who's your favorite uh, tribal dynasty in the 8th century? Uh, it's probably that uh, the Ace Ventura guy, um, you know, uh, the okay. one with the with the with the big hat. And uh, I, I thought for a second you were just kind of messing around that you like were just being sarcastic, but I can tell you really know your Ethiopian history. Yes, I absolutely do. Yes, God bless you, by the way. Well, for the rest of you out there, <laughs> um, quick synopsis here: Ethiopia. Yeah, not for me. I already know all this. Yeah. Ethiopia is an African nation settled in Northeast Africa up near the Cape of Hope. It is the second most populous landlocked nation on Earth with a population of over 109 million people. The Cape of Hope is like the rhino's horn on the west coast, right? On the northeast side. Northeast side, okay. So like up towards uh, like on the Saudi Arabia side. Okay. Not, right. I mean, Saudi Arabia is in the Middle East, but... And on the side of which that would be. Like so, where Jesus was from. so the oldest hominid, the primate family, a member of the primate family named Hominidae. I'm preaching to the choir here, but bear with me, Sean, for the audience. Okay. Now that includes humans in this uh, hominid family. The oldest hominid uh, was found in Ethiopia. Their fossil ancestors and some of the, um, the, the biggest finds in ancestral or archaeology history have been found in Ethiopia. Uh, they've had a series of dynasties ruling over its land, along with its almost impossible, not to mention neighbor, Eritrea. You can't say Ethiopia without somehow mentioning Eritrea huh. at some point. It's true. From the kingdom of Dmut in the 8th century, <laughs> uh, my favorite, uh, 8th century BC, to fascist Italy in the 20th century, Ethiopia compiled a culture replete with international and traditional influences. Okay. All right. Uh, so what are we doing over here in Africa? Like, what, what, question. what are we getting out of here? Well, uh, well uh, you mentioned about... the oldest hominid. Um, is that, that like the Lucy? Or is she like the missing link between apes and uh, humans? I think she's like a three and a half foot tall human ape hybrid and yeah i think that's what it was but i gotta be honest i didn't give enough of a shit to look into it beyond that i kind of as a a factoid but i think you're right okay and if not email us that's what that's what listener email is for and i think there was another one that was found um in some cave like dug out by a carny in um old wales england i believe it's in some chasm uh, it's a really famous cave system in England, and I think another old skeleton from around the same time period was recently found there as well. 
And if you're interested in this kind of stuff, check out our episode on the oldest song ever. Oh, that's a great one. It was, that it song, was a fun one. That song, that song is good. It was pretty dope, yeah. 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 All right, well, uh, we're, we're going to go over kind of the history so we can understand what the fuck happened in Ethiopia and why they needed, uh, needed any help to begin with. Well, there, things have never been easy in Ethiopia. Ethiopian people have proven for eons now to be amongst the most resilient cultures in history. For eons... They endured ups and downs of feast and famine, rulers and tyrants, demigods and despots. Things were tough for Ethiopia in the 20th century. And like many, they eventually turned to bum, 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 communism. Uh-oh. I uh, know. If you oh, listen to man. any of our episodes, you refer to any of them for my rants on communism. We are not fans. <laughs> well, Haley Selassie's rule ended on the 12th of September 1974 when he deposed, he was deposed by, by the Derg. So there's two different communist factions that were fighting in in some in uh, in Ethiopia throughout the 70s. Um, one overthrew the other, and the new Provisional Military Administrative Council established a one-party communist state in March of 1975. It's all very very communist talk. There. It's a fairly recent history, though. Right. So this is what happened. They um. So things were really tough, and they said, well, we need the state, you know, we need a, a large governing body to come take care of us. So they turned to communism. Different factions fought it out over who would be in control of that. Um, and then eventually they, they established this one-party state in 1975. Surprise, surprise, things got worse. Uh, in 1977, <laughs> Somalia invaded and uh, started the Ogaden War, in which Somalia won and ultimately lost control of, of the Ogaden region. So they won it and then lost it again. Ethiopia yeah. was able to ultimately secure victory with the backing of nearly every USSR satellite on the planet and 15,000 Cuban troops. So imagine Holy this ship 15,000 Cuban <laughs> troops to fucking Somalia and Ethiopia in the mid-70s. Imagine the smell of food being wafted ashore on that ship. Do you know the Cubans were coming because it just smelled so good, like delicious meat being roasted? <laughs> they, they got, I mean, like... Cuban food, I, I could get, if you just gave them just a little more time on the ground, they could get like a Cuban-Ethiopian fusion thing going. Yeah. That's like good. Like the occupation, the French occupation of uh, Vietnam or something like that. Exactly. Like the yeah. Italy, Italy had a lot of um, territories all through East Africa. Like Somalia was one, Ethiopia was one. So they actually have a lot of Italian influences in their in their cooking. You know, some Somalian pirates may be my favorite pirates of, of date. Bold statement. Bold statement. Yeah. Now, granted, I like the romanticism involved with, you know, the, you know, earlier pirates, you know, buccaneers and swashbugglers and sure, sure. pirateering for the East India Trading Company. I like that. It's grand. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, like adventurous. But you know what? Those Somali pirates, they got their shit on lock, man. I'm a Pittsburgh doing. pirate kind of guy. Okay, all right. I would say Very penguins for pirate. pirates. <laughs> little known that. fact: my uh, team, my little league team, was the Pittsburgh Pirates. So. It's a little known fact because it was a little league team. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did win the World Series, though. So, well, I'll be there. <laughs> well, now here we are doing a podcast about Ethiopia, and yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. 
I'm honored. See how, see how good that did me. Oh, man. So in 1977, 1978, up to half a million people were killed in what became known as the Red Terror. Wait, what did the what did the communist rulers of Ethiopia getting out of this deal? So they, it, when you when you become the head of the state there, you're the one that controls all the resources. So it's a very okay. lucrative business. So like, it's not just saying like, here, communism will work for all of us. It's like, no, my brand will work. I need to be the head man because what this is like what hap- what happens here is the leadership ends up creating a choke point. For all of the aid that flows into the country, okay. So, like they, so they can just on it. when and where that who that aren't exactly. They can okay. they can decide who that aid goes to and why it goes to them. Huh. And um, so they had this like, soak this in for just a second in a year. So we're we're in. Um, we've lost you know fifty thousand uh, is the count for uh, under over sixty thousand now for the the corona or the COVID nineteen thing. That number you could take or leave, but just as an example, right? Um, that's fifty thousand. Everything is nuts, absolutely insane. Imagine half a million people right. inside of a year killed. Yeah, uh, and that's just one here. That's just one. There was way worse cases of genocide than that, but I mean, that's well, still it's, just, it's waves that hit Ethiopia. It's like yeah. this happened in seventy five, and then in seventy seven, this happens again with the Red Terror. And then things get really bad, and the Soviet Union, reliable benefactor that they always are, decided this was a little bit too much trouble for their investment and pulled their aid and funding to the bristling African nation, which had already been on the proverbial brink for decades. So they're already about to collapse, and Soviet Union goes like, this doesn't look like it's going to work out well. Well, say what you want about them, but they made the right call on this circumstance. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that, Sean. You go on record as the Soviet Union. <laughs> hey, call me what you will. I don't sympathize with with Russia or the Soviet Union, but I will say that that Putin guy is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> they are inarguably pragmatic. Yeah. So by the early 1980s, famine was rapidly <laughs> Ethiopia. Uh oh, he's infected. Uh oh! <laughs> By the early 1980s, famine was ravaging Ethiopia. Again, Ethiopia has been hit hard by famines throughout its history. So much so that Ethiopian famines, as a subject, has its own Wikipedia page. Holy cow! Beginning uh, in the first half of the ninth century, extending to the present day, there have been around 30 instances of widespread death from famines lasting anywhere from months. To years in the 20th century alone, there were six. In the 1970s, wow. the fall of the governing body known as the Derg led to a collapse in the whole supply infrastructure. That's what we we're just talking about, and shit hit the fan. Uh, so Ethiopia is desert, largely. Yeah, so it's got uh, mountainous regions. I'm not like terribly familiar with its topography and its geology, but uh, like mountainous regions, desert regions. Uh, but like some uh, largely arid climate, though. And it's um, so it's landlocked, and yeah. then um, there's just too many people for the resources to to support, or it's just yeah being, at the moment and, and it's a, just being and taken over by these just, people uh, who are taking everything from the people. 
both. And the, okay. it's 80% of that country, 80% of that population. I mean, according to, to the Wikipedia page that I was, uh, the other resources I cobbled together, you can also find it on the website, on the sources cited stuff. Um, it's 80% of that country is our sustenance farmers, meaning like they grow and, and, and they, they provide their own food. They only grow enough food on their farms for themselves and their families. So, so they're basically like very, they're always on the brink. They're very susceptible to this kind of stuff. happening. Right. Right. And what do they do for work though? Is that their job is to, that is to their like, job is to like homesteading for them not to die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Man, that, there's something to be said about that. Like that's that's a tough living to have for almost an entire country. You know, there are people who do it for pleasure, you know, here in the crazy United States. But um but I mean to have to do that, to to have no other choice but then to provide for your family, you know, your own food source, right. it's really tough. And then especially they- in a freaking desert. If the state comes in and cuts off your supply of uh, let's say corn seed for that year, um, then you're really up a creek, you know? Right. Uh, so then in 1983... Well, not in Ethiopia, because it's desert. So. Oh, I see. Very, very sensitive. Very sensitive, John. <laughs> then in 1983, <laughs> the worst famine to hit Ethiopia in a century swept through the ailing nation. According to the Ethiopian Famine's Wikipedia page, it left one... Soak this in for a second. These are crazy numbers. It left 1.2 million people dead. 400,000 yeah. refugees left the from country. From hunger. From hunger. Oh, my gosh. And, or hunger-related, like, uh, illness uh, exacerbated through hunger. But, like, yes, yeah, starved to death. And wow. 2.5 million people were internally displaced, meaning, like, they had to move from, let's say, if it's Texas and you're internally displaced, you're forced to move from Austin to Houston. Right? Okay. Almost 200,000 children were orphaned. Wow. It's, I mean, this is a fucking disaster, right? What happens to all those kids, though? Do they get brought up by, like, evil regimes of militants? or A lot of times they're largely left to fend for themselves or, like, really? rely on their closest family or left homeless. Yeah. It's just, just it so is sad. A, it really is it's terrible. A catastrophe. So according yeah. to the human rights, this is this is the a big point here. According to the Human Rights Watch, more than half of those 1.2 million dead died due to human rights abuses. Which is okay. it's a comfortably euphemistic way of saying they died deaths that most of us can imagine in our worst nightmares. Right. Yeah. And the other half literally starved to death. Holy cow! It's hell on earth. It's one of the darkest moments in all of world history. But the world did not sit idly by. In November of 1984, Britain's Royal Air Force conducted the first airdrops of food and supplies. Soon, East Germany, West Germany, Canada, the USSR, Sweden, and of course, the United States, followed suit in providing funding and supplies to the suffering nation. So Britain was first, okay. Uh, yeah, 1984, in uh, November of 1984, Britain's Royal Air Force. not that long ago. Holy cow. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so... However, this would as it would be the problem in Somalia for nine years. Uh, this would be the problem. Have you ever seen the movie Black Hawk, Black Hawk Down? Yeah. So this is similar to what – this is why that um, whole thing started. Um, similar, it's the same concept, same, same cause. 
they had warlords come in and take control of the aid that was being sent to Somalia in that case, and in this case to Ethiopia, and then they were in control of dispersing that. So okay. the aid rendered by these by the countries that we talked about in above um, in the way of food and supplies was more often than not intercepted by either state or local militia strongmen and then disseminated as they saw fit. And this combined with a lack of interventional action uh, in order to stop it uh, resulted in, you know, half a million people dying from human rights abuses. That's crazy. So Black Hawk Down took place maybe 15 years after when we're talking about? Uh, Black Hawk Down was October of 1993. Okay, so, so not even ten nine years. Nine years yeah. later, yeah. Can you imagine living in a world where, like, you can't even get back on your feet, and then all of a sudden you're in this shit again? That's insane. Yeah, like reading, right? Reading and writing this um, did kind of put a perspective on on what we're going through here. Not to minimize it at all, it's just that it's like, wow, holy shit! Yeah. I think things are bad, and then it's you forget how bad that they've gotten in other places before. Right. Right. So what was the solution? Who would step forward to help and what could be done? To anyone schooled in international diplomacy and the advancement of the human rights, the answer was simple. Record and release a celebrity Christmas jingle. I mean, that makes sense to me because if I was dying of hunger, Mm -hmm. what I would want to watch is some posh celebrity on their private yacht singing a song to me about sympathy for my situation i got good news for you buddy what if i got you like 30 celebrities even better even better that make you just feel like not even hungry anymore and maybe like if they if they dropped like mail like letters of enthusiasm to support me and like uplift me like that would help as well you know well they didn't they didn't do that wow they, what what heartless bastards well now you might be Jeez. If you're not, Sean, you might be saying, wait a second, this is the most coked up idea I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, it was 1984, so you're probably allegedly right. Irish singer Bob Geldof had decided he'd had enough of the famine in this country. He so more than likely couldn't do? find on a map. I'm he, sure he couldn't. Yeah. He, he was going to do something it. about it. <laughs> he put together a super group called Band Aid. Band-Aid. Huh. And released the song. Was it a play on words or was it just an idiot idea? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna assume the latter, but hope for the former. <laughs> they released a song to aid the Ethiopian famine called Do They Know It's Christmas? They're not Christian, are they? Uh, I mean, yeah, Ethiopian has a Christian population, but what the f- what oh Jesus. What the oh, fuck? Man. So I'm over here grinding out. my teeth. I am grinding my teeth, man. Let's I don't have it. Uh, I've been doing this podcast with you for quite some time, and let me tell you, my teeth are almost ground down to nothing. <laughs> so. Don't worry. I'll, I'll show you the lineup, and you'll feel way better. So we got just just a, just to name a couple here. We've got uh, Simon Crow. We've got uh, Johnny oh. Fingers. Okay. Uh, we've got. Um, Roger Taylor and John Taylor from Duran Duran. A lot of Duran Duran in here. Those are cool. Got Sting, All right. Yeah. Sting, Sting from the police. Well, I mean, he's always involved in this type of shit. Him and Bono. You know. Got Christopher Cross. Okay. Whoa. Wait got a minute. Bill Collins. 
Alamo extraordinaire. Check out our Alamo episode on Phil Collins. What a good episode, man. We've got additional spoken messages by David Bowie and Paul McCartney. See, that that makes sense because they everyone needs to know their words of wisdom. If if there is anybody who doesn't need to sing a song or play an instrument, it's it's probably David Bowie and Paul McCartney. They just need to you know, I wish there was David Bowie was still here because I feel like he would he would already have a, a, a vaccine. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know who we're missing there? The big man. Can I take man a guess? The... Can I take a guess? Uh, well, you you just said big man. I was gonna say Bono. Boom. So, okay. <laughs> Bono. <laughs> Oh, or Sean, or Sean Penn, <laughs> Ed McMahon of celebrity. Oh Jesus! Charity jingles. He's lucky he can sing because he's a fucking ass. Make <laughs> <laughs> that on his tombstone. So, what do you think happened? Of course, the song rocketed to number one on the charts and raised millions that were supposed to go to Ethiopian, Ethiopian famine go? aid. Where did it go? To the war. However, well, even here, the, so this what happened here. The British government attempted to impose taxes and, and restrictions on on where the money could go. So this bullshit uh, with the Rolling Stones too. Well, it was not wasn't um wasn't dissimilar. Like they were saying, no, none of this, none of this revenue, none of this tax revenue. This this needs to go to taxes. It's not going to go to foreign uh, foreign aid. And so they were like really limiting how much of it could be sent out. But good press was had all around. Uh, some good was done. It wasn't that no good was done. And the idea for something even bigger had been planted in the masterful mind of none other than Culture Club frontman Boy George. If a composition what? had raised billions, <laughs> why not a composite concert? Even better, what about the composite concert? What if they got every major act to perform on a live worldwide broadcast from multiple locations all over the earth, all linked up via satellite broadcast, then donated the money to aid in the famine relief? Boom! What problem solved? What money? What money? The money! (laughs) What money? Who's giving the money? Where's the money coming from? This sounds like this sounds like the plot of Wayne's World 2. I don't understand how to explain it any clearer. They, they have the concert. Okay. They get the money. Well, yeah, the money. The money they, to all the right, right. No, wait, wait. Start over. I got the concert. Okay. I get it's it. It's like the underpants gnomes. Like, okay. first they get the underpants, <laughs> then step two, and then we make the money. <laughs> it works. Okay. But first of all, you got to pay money to set up this concert. You got to sure. pay. You're making this sound stupid. <laughs> it is. All right. Can I just go out on the limb here? I mean, say, that limb is more likely than not going to break, but. Well, I, I just want to go on record that I think this is, this is a whole bunch of nonsense. Now, uh, Sean, this good drunken Irishman is trying to help these people. <laughs> How dare you? It sounds like he's trying to get famous by putting on a worldwide concert. John, people don't get famous for doing acts of charity. You have, like, that doesn't... What? You have to mean it with all your heart. Isn't that why people do charity? You live in a sad, dark world. Oh, man. I'm very sorry. 
To be to be fair, many involved here. Oh, this is being very fair. Many involved here had good intentions. That's I think that's true. Everyone had that like at least most of the people that were involved. I think we're just like well-meaning celebrities trying to uh, you know do something without doing a whole lot. So to be fair, <laughs> good intentions all around. But at least at least in the <laughs> clinical opinion of this music history podcast, these are some of the most cocaine influenced ideas in not just music history in all of history right and thus in this okay. whirlwind of good intentions grand aspirations charitable endeavors and harebrained schemes was born the worldwide live music experience of the sensory say it with me live aid live aid oh okay all right so we did a concert companion on this with queen right. I think we had it was either Live Aid or Wembley Stadium, but like yeah, the yeah okay yeah yeah. But they, Some, you know, yeah, there was because Live Aid lineup. was at Wembley Stadium, yeah. so I think it was the Live Aid one. Yeah, we got, was we this... got lots of material, ladies and gentlemen. Go enjoy it. We don't remember all of it. No, uh, I don't even know this man I'm talking to. We just found him. <laughs> found he him on the street. He was ranting, ranting, ranting about communism at the library. <laughs> well, I'll be there every Saturday. <laughs> Ten. Yeah. So yeah. How do you feel now? The books are free to everybody. Man, not great. <laughs> so what we have here is the experience of a lifetime. This is the experience of the century, Sean. This is Live Aid. The date would be Saturday, July thirteenth, nineteen eighty-five. The two major locations would be Wembley Stadium in London and JFK Stadium in Philadelphia, with a combined attendance of over 150,000 people. Yeah, that's a lot of local revenue for yeah. for this issue. But <laughs> my immediate concern is that w the people that this is supposed to help while they're simulcasting this this worldwide concert across the globe 75% of everyone else would be asleep at this time. So, <laughs> so what this was, so you had to, so this is like all jokes aside, this is how they, every, everyone that went bought a ticket, right? Yeah. So all that money was supposed to go. And then also what this was, was a little known concept nowadays, because everyone goes for the GoFundMe or the Indiegogo, but everyone has forgot about the telethon. So oh, this was yeah. basically a telethon where they'd show you a couple songs and then they'd go back to the call, the call board. Okay. And show you a couple songs and go back to the call board. So like there's a few places going here. Wembley Stadium in London, England, attended by about 72,000 people. And John F. K. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy Jr. Nope, sorry, not a, that, 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 the original one. John F. Kennedy. Oh, jeez. In Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. This was attended by 89,484 people. On the same day, concerts inspired by the initiative happened in other countries such as the Soviet Union, uh, Canada, Japan, Yugoslavia, Australia, uh, Austria, uh, West Germany. It was one of the largest scale satellite linkups in uh, television broadcast of all time, an estimated audience of 1.9 billion across 150 nations. Watched That's the pretty crazy. Yeah. That's okay. Nearly 40 percent of the world population at the time. That's more than who wants to be a millionaire. That's and that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. We just filled in numbers. Right. It's a lot guys. of the stuff of dreams and legends. 
Let's, who are we? Who are we talking? Who played at this? So check this out. Um, at, we'll, we'll go over the Wembley Stadium run first. Um, we know it was it was Queen, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, Adam. So this starts kind of. This is as it appears on the uh, on the poster. Adam Ant, the Boomtown Rats, David Bowie, Phil Collins, Elvis Costello, Dire Straits, Brian Ferry, Elton John, Howard Jones, Nick Kershaw, Allison Moyette, Queen, Sade, Spandau Ballet, Status Quo, Style Council, Sting, U2, Ultravox, Paul Young, Wham, and The Who. That is quite the lineup quite the lineup <laughs> oh man how many songs each do you think they played three or four they only played, so it looks to be about two to four songs each and then okay. a lot of collaborations there but then so right. then at jfk stadium this is uh, uh keep in mind this is i'm reading it off the poster some of these artists uh pulled out um so this is off the jfk lineup uh in philadelphia brian adams the cars eric clapton duran duran Boy George, Hall and Oates, Mick Jagger, Billy Joel, Waylon Jennings, Judas Priest, Chris Christopherson, Huey Lewis on the News, Robert Plant, Power Station, Pretenders, Santana, Paul Simon, Simple Minds, Tear for Fears, Temptations, Thompson Twins, Neil Young, wow. and Stevie Wonder. I can't decide which which one I'd rather be at. So this is tough. A little, little, so a little heads up here. Um, Billy Joel, Boy George, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, Tears for Fears, and Paul Simon were all included in the initial promotional material material for the Philadelphia concert, but did not appear. Though Boy George mm. did appear at the London concert. Okay. Well, I mean, but, Paul Simon already does enough for African culture, so. Thank you. Very well put. Yeah. Led Zeppelin had a reunion <laughs> of sorts. Uh, on uh, July 13th, 1985, Page, Plant, and Jones. Uh, that's John Paul Jones, Robert Page, and Jimmy. I'm sorry, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. Robert Page. And Jimmy Plant. Uh, they reunited. You're a phony. You're a phony, Brandon. <laughs> I'm the guy with the Music History Podcast. Uh, so they, they were at the JFK Stadium. They played a short set featuring drummers Tony Thompson and Phil Collins and bassist Paul Martinez. That's um, cool. Okay. Yeah, have you seen that one? I have not. That would no. be a good one to do a concert companion on. It's I've seen it. Um, it's supposed to be like it's you know always kind of what's the word um, kind of belittled or or snided as a as a kind of um, not their best performance. Uh, well, so this was when Paige was deep into heroin. Is it the eighties? I think so. Right. Um, he had a lot of stuff too. It wasn't just that. Like he had, he has had a the, the guitar was not, you know, stand in tune well. They didn't have a ton of rehearsal time. Monitors, like a lot of technical stuff went wrong. Um, Paige described it as pretty shambolic, and Plant characterized it as an atrocity. <laughs> well, he always was more dramatic. But I feel like I would watch it. Still be like, that's pretty good. That was pretty awesome, right? Shoot. Uh, but then Crosby's you watch the fashion song, song the same, well. and you're like, holy cow, that is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah but <clears throat> got CSNY reuniting as well. Oh, okay. Uh, the Beach Boys reunited with Brian Wilson, and of course, Black Fucking Sabbath rocked the house with Tony Iommi being so hungover. He had yeah. to wear sunglasses the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool. Um, that's pretty metal. Uh, 
Now, the Beach Boys, let's touch on this for a minute here. Have you heard any of the new releases from the Beach Boys within the last couple of years? No, I haven't. No. They're, I can't decide if it's good or bad. Um, you know, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they're not all there. They're old as shit. Um, you're, not, but, you're, not, you're not cutting a great promo for their stuff. But. Not all they, there. Old as shit. Still sounds like the Beach Boys, and they still yeah. have those ridiculous whole band harmonies, and they're singing about similar stuff, you know, surfing and sailing, and and the beach life, and you know, you um, find your thing, you stick to it. You know, what's actually funny is there was only one guy in the entire original Beach Boys lineup that actually surfed. That's all you need. It yeah. legitimizes you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Well. Michael Jackson was a noticeable absence. Uh, he informed oh, what the organizers. He informed the organizers he was too busy in the studio to make it. Too busy with his monkey. Listen, we'll have a big episode on Michael <laughs> Jackson coming up in the future. Stay Don't tuned you for that. Dare talk negative negatively about my king of pop. That is that is my right. shit right there. That's okay. right. I think a lot of people might want us to talk a little more negatively about him. Well, hey, Stay tuned I the rebuttal to your flank steak. Well, Prince couldn't, nice. Prince couldn't make it, but sent in a video saying, "Like, hey, well, thanks, guys." That's to be expected, of thanks course, he couldn't make it. Yeah. Um, Queen's performance was voted performance of the century by a bunch of nerds in some poll in 2005. I uh, bet your Prince was actually a hologram. I can only hope. <laughs> Dude, like they said, the Pope is a hologram now. It's like a conspiracy theory that's going around. So I call him a holy gram. Thank a you. Holy gram. Oh, see, that's why we keep you around. Uh, Bob Dylan, <laughs> um, he played he played a set, like a couple songs. He broke a string while playing. Um, so what happened was there's a story in Ronnie Wood's book, and he talks about and hanging out. The bass player for the Rolling Stones. Ronnie Wood is the lead guitar player for the Rolling Stones. Lead guitar, lead guitar player. So he was hanging out with Keith Richards a lot, and they were hanging out in Philadelphia one day, and Bob Dylan swung by and kind of like haphazard was in a pickup truck with his daughter and was like, hey, do you guys want to go play with us? Like, we're going to go play this show. And they were like, what are you going to play? And he's like, like a Rolling Stone, like something else. And he's like, They're like sure, like, we'll go with you. And it turns out Why to be not? Live Aid. And, uh, oh, <laughs> so they go play, they get to, they like borrowing guitars and stuff. Bob Dylan broke a string while playing with Keith Richards and Ronnie Wood. Keith handed his guitar to Bob. Ronnie handed his guitar to Keith. And, and Ronnie continued to play air guitar, which oh, he rocked wow. the shit out of because he's Ronnie Wood. <laughs> Anybody who can rock a good air guitar definitely deserves just, some, some acknowledgement. Yeah. You can't phase that guy. No. And you can't fake it either. Nope. Mick no. Jack did a shitty version of It's Only Rock and Roll with Tina Turner and nobody cared. No, nobody cares about that. Teddy Pendergrass, the R&B legend, made his first public appearance since a near-fatal car accident three years earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huge Teddy Pendergrass fan. That's, I thought that was awesome. Uh, Duran Duran performed for the last time until 2003. Wow. With Simon LeBon flubbing a note during A View to Kill, which would be dubbed the Miss Note Heard Around the World. Freddie Mercury had a note in, in their performance called The Note Heard Around the World. And they oh, wow. ripped and the press yeah. and said it's the misnote heard around the world. Jeez, shout out to our uh, music of James Bond, by the way, for View to Kill. Check that one out, absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
we're just like plugging all our 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 i mean i'm my i'm my biggest fan not a bad episode in the bunch (laughs) bill collins played in the uh in the united kingdom earlier in the day began his solo set by equipping he so he played um in the uk earlier in the day and then flew to philadelphia and played in the evening show and he quipped i was in england this afternoon funny old world isn't it i don't get it yeah Thanks, he just, Bill. He said, no, he just said, like, isn't this funny? I was in England earlier today, and now I'm in Philadelphia. And you're like, yes, cool. that's how airplanes work. Awesome. See you later. So, <laughs> have a good one. Big gulps, huh? Big oh. gulps, huh? Well. <laughs> so 300 phone lines were being manned this whole time by the BBC, as well as an address to send checks to. What the hell and, is a phone line? And then... In a classic telephone, in classic telephone fashion, viewers were urged very strongly throughout the broadcast to call in and donate to the cause. Well, okay, they were encouraged at first, right? Like, please, you know, like, here's what's going on. Think about sending us some money. But after initial reports were disappointing to Bob Geldof, he got on TV after Queen's performance and berated the audience in a profane place rant to donate more and do it now. He alleged, I couldn't find the video of this. I'm still looking for it. If we can find it, we're going to do a concert companion. We'll, we will dredge this up. He if alleged anybody out there has it, please. He is basically saying this, but allegedly he, he gets on there, he grabs a mic and he goes, we need your money now. Give us your money now. There are people starving. Send your money in now. Give us your fucking money. Oh, geez, man. It's the first of the month. Come on. Well, Wake up, it's collection this, this is <laughs> think about how well this works for your next Indiegogo campaign. Immediately after that, donations skyrocketed <laughs> to 300 pounds a second, which would be a little over 300 bucks a second. Yeah. And it was all said and done between 100 uh, when it was all said and done about 127 million dollars had been raised in 80 80s money. Yeah, in 1985 money. Awareness, the present keyword of those who actually don't want to do anything had skyrocketed. And Bob Geldof was knighted by the Queen of England. Make for what? Back, you will. Well, for, for a, raising a bunch of money, Sean. For yelling at people until, until they felt scared enough to give them their wallets? Give us your fucking money! <laughs> Send your money in there! <laughs> it's okay because Brandon's Irish. <laughs> yes, thanks. But where did the money really go? Who did Live Aid really help? So, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me this whole thing was just another warlord scheme and the, the money was po- skimmed off the top and everybody was not doing this for nonprofit? It was all the proceeds go to and the profits uh, go to. Like- a lot of, you know, I'm a big cons- conspiracy buff, but oh, a lot of conspiracies that. are bullshit, right? And a lot of conspiracies can be just, just, um, just del- or uh, distilled down to, oh, people are just really fucking stupid. Yeah. Okay. Like, not all of them, but a lot of them can just be like, oh, that guy's just really fucking stupid. So most of the, so think about this first of all, Bob Geldof. I'm rubbing my eyes because it makes my head hurt. Bob (laughs) Geldof is from fucking Ireland. And in the 1970s, I mean, they had a thing called the Troubles, which was like, it would be like Israel and Palestine today. Like, it was constant terrorist attacks. Like, it it was, it was, Ireland was a country itself 
riddled with problems that needed lots of funding and lots of help. But this guy just like thought, oh, you know who I can help? The Ethiopians. That's awesome. <laughs> so most and then well, most maybe of because the it was his ticket to stardom. It it wasn't it was. necessarily helping anybody. It was just like, look, I'm gonna get my face out there and this is how I gotta do it. Most of the money also the most of the money came from crisis ridden Ireland. And the oh, largest wow. single donation was transferred by the ruling family of Dubai. Really? Well, who and Dubai is just replete with poverty and famine of its own. Right. Okay. Like their ruling, their ruling family just decided to send in a bunch of money for good press there. There was no big tourist attraction Dubai back then. It was nope. all not there. It was nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, but many felt everyone had done their part, and in this unprecedented worldwide effort that proved humanity can dominate over all. And that even the greedy and corrupt can have hearts softened in the face of true suffering and tragedy. Yeah. After all, tens of millions of dollars have been donated from all over the world to help this nation in crisis. So we can all go home happy, right? Um, as long as Bono's happy. Oh, good point. I think yeah. he was. Okay. But things didn't work out exactly that way. Oh, Money was raised, but things <laughs> in Ethiopia did not improve. In a 2005 BBC investigative report, um, it found that at least 20% of the money went to buy Ethiopian rebels weapons from the Soviets oh, wow. to fight their ongoing civil war. Man. And 20% of $130 million would be like uh, $25 million, something like that. In secondhand Soviet arms? That's a shitload of weapons. Yeah, okay. A shit ton of weapons that went to go kill. It's a civil war. So yeah. all of those weapons went to go kill Ethiopians. That's so bad. Oh, man. Ethiopian um, Araya announced a most shocking figure as up to 63 million pounds. This is from the BBC. Uh, he announced a most shocking figure as up to 63 million pounds, um, which is you know, a little bit more than that in dollars. Um, in, of the charity, in, uh, bald eagles. How many bald eagles? Right. Is that? Yeah. Sixty-three million of those puppies of the charity were spent on political and military support for the rebels. Okay. So imagine, you know, it's it's just like we're looking at sixty-four million dollars um, going to kill Ethiopians, and we're talking about a lump sum as well, are we not? Like right. just and a so big old is, box of money. This is just the twenty percent that was used for the weapons. That doesn't mean the eighty percent went to aid. So, um, so yeah, I did look this up earlier. Um, that is seventy-seven million eight hundred ninety-eight thousand two hundred forty dollars of United States money went to buy weapons for rebel forces in a oh, civil war yeah. that most of us couldn't find that country on a map. Seventy-eight million dollars worth of food and medicine funding turned into guns and ammunition for a despotic warlord and his beleaguered forces. That's so insane, man. I wonder if the people behind Live Hate had, had any idea that this was going to happen and they didn't care. I think they <clears throat> will. So that's what we'll get into next. Geldof, is, is, he is alleged to have ignored repeated warnings from Doctors Without Borders who had been, who, they'd been kicked out of the country. When Doctors Without Borders is kicked out of the country... 
things ain't going great. <laughs> so they repeatedly told him, like, don't do this because you don't understand how this stuff is disseminated and that, that um, the outcome, that what happened would be almost inevitable. Um, this right. is from the Live Aid Wikipedia. Um, they, the, the doctors from Doctors Without Borders was arguing that Live Aid accomplished, um, this is pulled pull from the article, arguing that Live Aid accomplished good ends while inadvertently causing harm at the same time David Reif gave a presentation of similar concerns in The Guardian at the time of Live 8. Uh, Tim Russert, in an interview to um, Meet the Press shortly after Bill O'Reilly's comments, uh, addressed these concerns to Bono. Bono responded that corruption, not disease or famine, was the greatest threat to Africa, agreeing with the belief that foreign relief organizations should now decide how the money was spent. On the other hand, Bono said that it was better to spill some funds into nefarious quarters for the sake of those who needed it than to stifle aid altogether because of possible theft. Huh. I think he was in on it. Ooh. Bold takes, hot takes from Mr. Sean. So what do you... This kind of poses like a question. I mean, that kind of... That's kind of... He's not wrong, right? So there's your choices. There's your choices. Either don't fund it, don't send them any money, or... Do and you won't. Nobody will get anything. Or do and a hefty chunk of it is going to go to fund a civil war, and then some of it will somehow eventually flood in to yeah. people. But at the same time, a lot of these people involved with fighting in the civil war are the ones in need, uh, and they don't really have a choice other yeah. than to take up the weapon that they've been given. And when they do that, they get food. Yeah, it's a horrible situation that we can't even fathom here in, in America and things like that. Like, that is your means of survival is to 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 bow down before some some warlord and say, you know what, I'm, I'm right. going to do whatever you say because I'm I'm that hungry. Like, yep. that is that is insane to try to to try to imagine. But um, I think Bono's right. Um I don't think he would have said that just off the top of his head. I think he had somebody in his corner saying that, you know what, this could go worse if you say something other than this. Um, it, it didn't look good either way. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a pretty circumspect thing to say. Right. It's, it's, yeah. It's, uh, and it was, well, it's not, and it's not Bono's fault. It's not even yeah. necessarily oh, Geldof. No. Geldof is not funding these groups directly, but it's foolish to try and funnel all this money in there. Knowing right. that you think it's going to go from A to B, and it's like, no, it needs to go no from way. A to M, yeah. and all these points in between aren't going to let it get there. Right. Yeah, so I, I would say that Bono's publicist wrote that. Yeah, probably. he's story. probably written everything Bono said yeah. in the last 40 years. <laughs> well, so what, do you, what do you think, Sean? And it's a thing for the listener, too, to kind of think about yourself. Was Live Aid worth it? Well, so... I'm getting worried here because one of our hometown heroes, Willie Nelson here in Texas, does this thing called farm aid. And I'm wondering if that is just as corrupt as live aid. Well, so interesting thing. This is how the Bob Dylan set was how farm aid got started. Um, When Bob Dylan played in Philadelphia, he even made the observation on stage into the mic. He said, wouldn't it be great if some of these millions of dollars that we're raising today went to help American farmers who can't. Pay right. Their okay. And so that's how um, that kind of went viral as you know, for the time and they farm aid started. Um, you can't say viral during these times, man, you can't say that. <laughs> it went 
it went popular incredibly quickly. <laughs> yeah, the lexicon is changing day to day. But yeah, so that's how this was like a real catalyst for like it was the beginning of celebrities as philanthropists, right? On rapists. Full-on rapists, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. No, but sense. celebrities as, like, kind of saintly figures who, like, oh, like, if it's their, it's, like, part of their job to to help. Right. And, like, what they do really does help. It's like... Look look what I do so I don't have to pay taxes. Yeah, I think this is pretty conclusive yeah. proof yeah. that they didn't have shit. Yeah. Well, they got lots of stuff going on with today. Like, there was Live Aid, which... Live 8, which uh, Geldof was also a part of. Um, you know, big music festivals to raise money for all for stuff is all over the place. And uh, the Global Citizen, which is a creepy name, uh, virtual music festival is uh, happened a couple weeks ago. Though I do encourage you to go check out the Rolling Stones set from that. It was a, it was a good version. Global? You can't always get what you want. Global. That was a pretty cool video. Global Citizen is that not Ernest Hemingway? And it's a little like Minority Reporty oh. to me. You know? Oh, okay. All right. I it seems like a little like uh, uh, it's like global citizen is like kind of like a weird 1984 thing for me. Okay. <clears throat> no, no, it still reads weird. No, me? just me. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention this whole time. Could we start over? What happened was they had a big music <laughs> festival to help a bunch of people and didn't do shit. Dude, they should do that. They should week. do that every episode. Be like, holy shit. Oh, wait, one sentence. What did we talk about? <laughs> Basically it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning in this week. We are glad to be back and rocking and rolling. Um, we'll be back next week. We've got uh, concert companions coming up. Got some Tiger King stuff in the works. Oh, yeah. Um, big stuff coming in the way of uh, some multi-tiered projects we got coming, which is a, a $10 way of saying big things. And um, so make sure you check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, all your favorite podcast okay. platforms. You can email Sean at Sean at alldamnight.com. You can email me at Brandon at alldamnight.com. Show ideas, comments, questions. Um, we're going to do like a question and answer show at some time soon. Yeah, we're looking yeah, into some like live streaming options. Yeah. So, um, if you have any ideas on stuff like that, we're more than we're all ears. Check us out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff um, on social media. All Damn Night Podcast. We are uh, the website is all damn night podcast.com. All damn night.com, right? Yes, and I believe the, so. And then right, all damn night.com. <laughs> and be sure to leave us your five-star reviews. If they ain't five stars, we don't want them. Yeah, we don't pay attention to them. It's anyway. your, uh, all your favorite, favorite uh, podcast platforms. So we will be back next week. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm your host, Brandon, with resident expert. Sean Demers. The greatest music podcast in history. This is all damn night. Nice. <laughs>